and welcome, welcome to the other side of midnight. Welcome to the other side of midnight. Tonight we have a special show for you with our guest Keith Morgan and co-hosting slash guest Ron Gerbron and myself Kinthea. We're standing instead here in Richard's captain's chair. Uh, he still is struggling with internet. There have been heavy rains and every effort to repair the internet has been disastrous because the water with the sands, it's like quicksand. They put the poles up and they come down. I would also like to mention that today would have been Dr. Robin Falkov's birthday and Richard is very much a man of the heart, and he is deeply moved. He continues to be deeply moved by the loss of his lifelong partner, Robin. I've put a uh, page, a memorial page on the homepage. If you'd like to add a comment, any of you who knew Robin, she was exceptional. She was uh, a true freedom fighter. And she was constantly vigilant for our health, guiding our health, and doing what she could to inform the public of the dark actions of the big pharma and their choices to really devastate our health and prevent us from taking actions that could improve our health. She was a real pioneer and a real fighter, and we miss her. It's three years now, and it's like it was yesterday. So that's uh, one sad news that I just wanted to bring to your attention. She remains constant in our awareness. The other thing is that there are two really important global events happening right now. One of them is happening in Afghanistan. Does anyone remember Saigon? Well, here after 20 years in Afghanistan, Biden is pulling the same number. He's withdrawn troops without any regard to the safety of our allies who have been with us for the past 20 years. And once again, the U.S. is taking actions that condemns our allies to a certain death. Already they are begun uh, hangings. Around the world, we are seen as self-serving, weak, and irresponsible. People can see for themselves the utter mayhem internationally and soon to be massive executions by the Taliban, which uh, this criminal act of Biden of just withdrawing without any regard for the safety of our allies is shocking to me. Not only are the Taliban going to inherit the weapons that we left there, imagine this, helicopters, tankers, fighter jets at the Kabul airport worth billions of dollars, billions of dollars virtually has been handed. We have armed the Taliban. We left that equipment, that military equipment there, 
and we have armed the Taliban. They've now upgraded their weaponry from AK-47s to M4 carbines. Bravo for us. Panic in Kabul airport is seen as people are desperately clamoring to get on board planes to leave the country because the massacres are already beginning. Another event that is, uh, I would say, really important and earth-shaking, literally earth-shaking, is that Haiti has had a powerful earthquake today on Sunday of 7.2 magnitude. And the death toll has soared to 1,297 counting. So we hold prayers for the people of Afghanistan and prayers for the people of Haiti that that peace and, and some loving resolution come. It seems like a really hard journey. And what part we play in this, I can only hope we start being more responsible. So tonight our show is called A Terrestrial Connection. A Terrestrial Connection. You can find it by going to the other side of midnight.com. And there's a banner, or you can type in A Terrestrial Connection. Our guests tonight, as I mentioned, are Keith Morgan and Ron Gerbron. Ron is a member of the Enterprise Imaging Team. He is proudly an uncredentialed polymath. (laughs) I love that term. (laughs) With a deep interest in the study of archaeology, especially Martian archaeology. Ron was raised on a farm in Pennsylvania, collecting arrowheads as a child. He found the pragmatic aspect of education too limiting after attending a famous Quaker school in Pennsylvania. Ahead of his studies and his time, he attempted to comfort himself into attending college before he gave up on academia and left to travel overseas. Throughout all this, he has focused his core attention on meteorology of the paleo history, particularly on other planets and especially Mars. And it doesn't say meteorology, folks. Sorry, it says metrology of our paleo history, particularly on other planets and especially Mars. So Ron is our generalist. Ron, (laughs) welcome to the other side of midnight, honey. Come on. You there? Hi there. Yeah, whatever. Hi, everybody. Whatever my name is. Um, (laughs) That's close enough. Hey, I tried to go with what I thought was a really fine pseudonym, and everybody screwed it up right at the inset. So I said, oh, well, I don't mean this show. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Yes, I have a little bit of space news because it just wouldn't seem like the other side of midnight if we didn't cover that. Uh, I was going to talk about the fact that Boeing, uh, of course, the major uh, vacuum cleaner for government money on um, classified and defense projects and aeronautics, uh, they were, you know, they've been fighting and fighting and fighting to stay in the running for the Artemis program to land somebody on the moon. And everybody probably caught the news item a few days ago where they're, they were going to do a test launch all the way up to the, no crew in it, but they were going to send it all the way up to the International Space Station. And um, they had a little problem. 
with the um, maneuvering thrusters, as they say in all the movies, and uh, most of them didn't work. <laughs> so they said, whoops. And when they gave it a closer look, they realized they were going to have to go tear it down and start over uh, to figure out what the problem was. It's a problem with valves. So if they're taking heat for that. Uh, their airliner division, the more public stuff, uh, they're not doing well either. Uh, they're selling handfuls of planes of the ones that are selling, and they're having troubles with the others. So Boeing's in trouble. Now, a uh, news item I caught today, it seems that NASA has spent uh, three quarters, a little over three quarters of a billion dollars on um, designing spacesuits. And um, they've been working at this in the current frame since like 2007. Uh, they've spent that much money. Uh, and they just announced that the uh, planned uh, mission to the moon in 2024, uh, the suits aren't going to be ready. So you can't go to the prom without a tuxedo. They're, um, uh, they're, not going to be, uh, they're not going to have suits available until 2025, which means they're probably just going to call uh, SpaceX and say, hey, uh, Elon, you, can you let me know about selling me some suits? Because Elon Musk, and company designed their spacesuits uh, in-house, and then they had Under Armour <laughs> build them for them. And they cost 200k a piece, which, when you think of all the hardware on a spacesuit, you know, yeah, it's going to cost some money. But um, they buy and they buy them in lots of a hundred, so they have lots and lots of spacesuits. Um, and apparently, they come in various sizes because if you remember that uh, the pictures from that crewed mission that he sent up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the uh, with the one um, female astronaut, and um, she's—I mean, she's like a foot and a half shorter than the other guys. So it's uh, in the pictures anyway. So obviously they <laughs> have suits that'll fit various people. So they just, in typical Musk fashion, they just did a complete end run around all the problems that everybody complains about with spacesuits. So I thought that was more interesting than some of the other space stories. Uh, anyway, the. Uh, Topic tonight is regarding stuff on Earth that looks like stuff on Mars. And I know that sounds kind of like a category for Jeopardy questions or something, but um, the, uh, the connections are definitely there. And there seems to be influences that are there. And our own Keith Morgan has taken lots and lots of pictures from a, um, an area in Utah. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but, uh, and I think maybe a couple other places uh, that has a lot of bearing on this. And um, I found something that I thought was more appropriate than digging up more pictures of um, Gobekli Tepe and who knows what else on um, archaeological journals. Uh, there's some screen grabs from a um, TV show called Stargate Universe which even Stargate fans, a lot of them never got into the uh, last show that actually ran on TV where they, um, they were on an ancient ship that was literally billions of light years away and no way to get home. And um, anyway, uh, the show was much darker than the other Stargate, like SG-1 franchises, but um, interesting anyway. And they got permission 
to do some location shooting because for their pilot, they had to go to New Mexico to go to White Sands. They could not find a gravel pit in um, Western Canada that was large enough to do the um, desert-like scenes that they had in the pilot episode of that show. So they took the crew down to New, New Mexico and went to White Sands. And while they were there, they met other people. And somehow they got connected with an Indian tribe who will not identify themselves, and they don't want anybody to go there. Uh, it's not exactly Skinwalker Ranch, but they said, this is our reservation. You stay away. And so they, they couldn't give any direct credit, but it's somewhere around Las Cruces. So there's somebody out there that will immediately say, oh, I know where that is, but I do not. So we're, uh, but the, uh, I just grabbed some screenshots from one episode that they actually located there. And um, the, uh, I can promise you, the, uh, the Indians promised this, the production crew promised this, but the, uh, I saw a special on it and they said they never touched anything. Uh, they were under very, very strict instructions to not mess with the landscape. So aside from the little road that the Jeeps go up and down, there's, uh, you know, they didn't modify anything. There's no graffiti. Uh, maybe there's a couple of picnic spots we can't see, but um, it's, uh, and they're, they're not ruins. It's the landscape, or at least now it's the landscape. But I thought the fact that there are people walking around in the pictures made it a little more contextual you can kind of see how big things are and the relative sizes and you get to because of the change in the camera angles you get to see them from one side and then from the other and uh, that's something we don't usually get the benefit of uh, on mars and um, so i thought that was a thought that was a nice change the um, and one of them the last one of the four it's a slightly different color balance Again, it's a film crew. They were filming this. I didn't. Uh, I didn't modify things. The uh, there's just someone walking down the road. Anyone who has looked closely at the Curiosity images will see an uncanny resemblance between that and the end of a place called that NASA called Dingo Gap, which features in a lot of the um, image stalls where they took lots of pictures to generate panoramas. And I'll bet there's somebody out there that says, wow, that looks just like that such and such. I was going to put up frames and things, but I didn't want to confuse the issue because I'm not saying that NASA filmed the Curiosity mission on an Indian reservation, even though that's certainly not the wildest thing I've heard. Uh, but uh, there's that for some reason, those strange connections, those strange similarities are um, always there. So... Uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Keith will have to tell you about his uh, images, of course. And, um, I think we're running. Let me see. I'm, I'm in a, at the disadvantage of not having a shot clock, so I was just looking to see. Well, I guess we're not breaking. Uh, anyway, uh, that pretty well sets them up. You know, my uh, I don't like drawing circles and arrows and things all over stuff, but when we get to the Mars things. Um, well, I'll just tell you now. The other two pictures the are of... Um, actually, there's a, there's a sixth one, but we may have a surprise connected to that. The, uh, uh, they're from that very area, that Dingo Gap area um, of um, 
that Curiosity photographed on several occasions. There's pictures from Saul 796 and Saul 844 and Saul 855. Uh, Saul 855, by the way, is the source of the image, even though it's off in the distance, that the Chinese uh, <clears throat> borrowed for their advertisements for their um, own Mars lander. So these things all bump into each other somehow. But the um, the ones that are concentrated on Sol 844, and it's in the it's in the image tags. Just look for that. Um, are um, they're covered with what certainly look like icons, religious idols, uh, worshipful spots, uh, and I have never seen such a broad range of different cultures represented. So you could have a little fun playing, um, you know, where's uh, such and such a religion on there? Because there's stuff that looks Chinese. There's stuff that certainly looks Egyptian. And one of which strikes a resonant chord with something that Keith has to show you. And uh, there's a um, big messy looking thing like a badly made uh, waffle that was so striking on it's halfway up the slope that uh, I included a picture which I actually saw posted by NASA. I didn't get it from them, they, but somebody at NASA, uh, it rang the same bell somehow because they, you know, they sometimes have like blog posts, press releases, and there was one of those where they referenced that same picture. And what it is, is an agricultural icon or totem from New Zealand. It's a Maori uh, culture thing. They would bury these little figures in the field to allow the spirits, the nature spirits, to have a sort of a foothold. And there's a tie-in with Egypt, ancient Egyptian religion in that, but um, now is not the time, but some other time. <laughs> I get I run down rabbit holes on uh, anthropology stuff sometimes, so I won't bother you with that. But that's what that gnarly-looking figure looks like and i i mean i'm still struck after a few years of staring at it by the incredible similarity between those two so okay you've got a rongo agricultural idol up there you've got something that looks like one of those buried terracotta terracotta figures in china that were sent to accompany the uh one of the emperors and you've got uh things representing well, like I said, any religion you want to pick. And and down at the bottom of the slope, a uh, very Nefertiti-looking uh, head. It's very well detailed. It's not really the Nefertiti um, top hat type um, crown, but, you know, the long neck and the, and the posture carries a lot of weight by itself. And you just can't deny these similarities. Now, it's up to you folks out there to figure out why. Why does the stuff on Mars look like the stuff on Earth, or vice versa? Good question. And if, um, yeah, well, I will mention that there is a 19.5 involved in the sixth image, which was contributed by our absent captain, who's, um, he may get a chance to call in. It depends on the, um, how the electrical gods are treating him tonight. <laughs> hey Ron, the uh, yes, num your number three picture with the uh, 
the head you said it looks like Nefertiti in profile. Um, yeah, everybody else says that. Yeah. Where, where was that shot again? Uh, that's for, well, the, it's on several images, but that particular one is from uh, at the uh, just outside the end of Dingo Gap. I, you know, I don't know where they put up the little boundary fences, but that's uh, the um, at the end of that canyon that they filmed on or they panoramaed on Sol 796 and Sol 844 and Sol 855. They went back several times. To, uh, so these are actually on it, Mars, right? Yes, yes, that is absolutely positively on Mars. And so that's, um, the let, the image, the first big image. Um, there's a lot of green stuff on rocks on there. Uh, is that the yeah. proper oh, color? The two that, well, the two that are titled uh, SMU, that's which, or SGU, um, SGUA and B. Yeah, those are the, those those two images or four, you know, four shots, ganged them up, are um, from the TV show. Yeah, that's I'm all. talking. That's I'm talking answer, about but, your image number three. Which got the, the right dry. all the cut. Yeah, there is a lot of green, and uh, it's funny you bring that up because they took maybe one of the reasons that they photographed it so many times, and you can see this very easily if you if people go dive into the raw um, archives. The uh, yeah, there is a lot of green there, but it depends on the lighting. Sometimes the place is all cloaked in darkness, and I, I think that the angle of the lighting has an awful lot to do with uh, things like that. And they were, the Martians were certainly aware of uh, how to control that sort of thing. And I, I, I really think that's one reason that NASA has done reshoots on so many things. It's not because they missed something, but they want to get it at different sun angles. And I think that's just an example of that. But yeah, you're right. It's, there's a lot of green, but that's like rock green. I don't think it's moss or anything because it would be, you know, wouldn't be so crisp. Uh, doesn't look like copper uh, corrosion or anything like that to me. It looks more or less no. like some kind of plant growth, but who knows? It could be. It, yeah, no, it could be. Uh, well, serpentine is green, and that's a uh, the geologists, even the mainstream geologists, uh, accept that there can be serpentine there. I used to know a sculptor that that was one of his favorite materials. It's kind of soapstony and um, fairly easy to um, sculpt, but um, gives you a nice, pretty surface, almost like jade. So yeah. I'm quite sure they used it. Yeah, I was looking Go at ahead. one of Keith Laney's uh, Gigapans back when we did the uh, workshop for the presidential uh -huh. briefing, and I zoomed in on one of these areas, and behind a rock, sticking up from behind it, was this green object, and the texture of it looked like tiny bubble wrap and it was green even with all the red the green sucked out most of the picture this thing was still green and that texture looked like some kind of reptilian skin and i wish it was a video because if it moved then it would have definitely proven it was some kind of living creature but uh i have to find that again because that just blew me away when i saw it and dumb me did not take a screen grab of it when i was yeah, looking I, at it oh there's more I like that. I like that comparison to a reptilian skin. That's a good, good way to look at it because there's a lot of that sort of pebbly textured surface, which really is hard to explain by um, 
geological processes, it doesn't look like erosion. It doesn't look like carving like we're used to it. But, you know, sometimes sometimes artists put a texture to something. And uh, the um, whatever's causing it, uh, it could even be a sort of a corrosion by plant. You know, there are plants that, that settle in on a rock and eat away at it. And it could be some sort of moss. I mean, I've never, I mean, it seems reasonable that if anything survived the, uh, the initial atmospheric loss, uh, it would be something that could, that could evolve really, really fast. Like a, uh, you know, simple organism, like a fungus or a um, mold or a lichen or something. I, I see no problem with any of those. In fact, on that one picture, the, um, I mean, um, of that, uh, the one that's got the Nefertiti head on it. Uh, there is, um, I'm going for a bigger version here because I, because I can do that. Um, where did I put it? Uh, oh yeah, there, there, there we are. Let me see if it, no, it doesn't show on there, but if, if people, uh, go and look at, oh, that's from, I'm sorry. That would, um, the one that's got the Nefertini head on it. See, that's case in point. That's from Saul seven ninety six. Yeah, it's They're actually from Saul the one. It's from the one right above that uh, in the lower right hand corner. It's that. Yeah, the lower right hand corner. That's just a museum picture. That's just uh, the. Uh, it it had a tag. Uh, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Not the somebody... rock. Not the rock with the swirls and the face in it. I'm talking yeah. about in the very big picture above the two, the lower uh, left-hand corner picture with the head in it is in that lower right-hand corner of the very big picture above both of them. Yes. Okay. Yes, that was that was my cunning ploy to make uh, to allow people to see it in a slightly larger size. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, uh, yeah, because that's uh, and in fact it's uh, yeah two of the three days that they did major photo shoots there uh the perspective and so forth is pretty much the same they just got a different time of day so the um they get mixed up and so that that one on the lower left may in fact be from Saul 844 i'm not a, uh that's why i didn't put a date on it it was a a miscellaneous close up and i said oh i i should use this one cuz it's nice and clear but you know and you can see there's some those Pyramids in the distance, you know, on the panorama, they're, um, uh, it's out of focus. You know, they were definitely focused right on that ridge and right on that particular head mm -hmm. uh, and things, things at that same focal plane. Because, you know, the, in the distance past it, it's all blurry. They were, uh, so they were, they were specifically looking at it. And that's why they spent so much time there. But, um, yeah, if you look at another version of that, image and like i said it shouldn't be hard to find in the um in the nasa's own archives you can even see it on the raw images down right below uh it, it, mm, further down a part of the picture that does not show here uh there is something that looks very much like an artichoke <laughs> now i don't know if it's a carving of an artichoke but uh or a uh, uh, fossilized plant or you could also say that it looks kind of like one of those creatures from the alien movies that would attach themselves to somebody's face. Um, the, um, 
So it could be any one of those, but there's, yeah, that just, but that wasn't germane to the sculpture stuff. So I do, I wanted to fit it all on one, on one picture. Yeah. You can get lost in this stuff. There's so much detail. Yeah. We're, we're about yeah. a minute out from the break. Um, okay. Well, cause you one of yours has the, uh, has Nefertiti neck and all, as I remember. We Ron? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are going to go to break. So, folks, you're right. listening to The Other Side of Midnight. We're having a conversation with Ron Gerbron and Keith Morgan. The show is called A Terrestrial Connection, and we shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because... Without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.